Thank you for joining us for today's Pulpit Hour, a message from God's Word brought to you by The Preaching Channel. To listen to this message in its entirety again, to download it or to choose from a variety of other messages, or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, log on to WGCRpreaching.net. got your Bible, open it with me. Put your finger in Genesis 39, then turn back to Matthew chapter number 1. Put your finger in Genesis 39, and we'll go back to that. And uh, I appreciate it. I'm glad he is everything we need, aren't you? Amen. Put your finger in Genesis 39, and then we're going to flip over to Matthew chapter number 1. I've been reading for a couple of weeks just just through the the text of the Christmas story, and uh, some things just begin to sort of jump out to me. Now I, I I've got intentions of maybe using a couple of thoughts for the next few weeks. I never you know I never know if I uh, that'll sort of come to pass or not. I, sometimes you have big ideas and they just don't come out like you think they are. But, uh, man, I began to read some of these texts, and uh, God began to show me a few things. And I think maybe the next couple of weeks I'll stay a little bit in maybe Matthew chapter number 1 and maybe even into Luke 2 next couple of weeks. But let's stand together, and we'll, we'll begin reading verse number 18 of Matthew chapter number 1, and then we're going to flip over to Genesis 39. The Bible said, now the birth, in verse number 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. In other ways, he was going to put her away. He just wasn't going to do it in public, Brother Sean. He was going to do it not to shame her. But all of a sudden, verse number 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, <clears throat> the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. We ought to take time out and shout an hour right there. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that he came. Amen. I'm glad that, thank God, when I could not come to where he was. I'm glad 2,000 years ago, deity wrapped on flesh and came to this world for the purpose, neighbor. He didn't come to be a good politician. He didn't come to be a good leader. Uh, but he came to be called Jesus because he was going to save his people from their sin. Now, the Bible said, now all this was done 
that it might be fulfilled. You can look through Matthew many times in Matthew. That phrase is there. You say, why? Because in Matthew's traditionally, it is a Jewish gospel. And they would have had the Jewish prophecy. So the Lord was pointing to them uh, that he is who he said he was. And may I say to you uh, that we can proclaim men of God. We can take the Bible and we can proclaim to this world he really is who he said he was. The Bible said, now this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought first her firstborn son and they called his name Jesus. You can turn your Bible to verse chapter number 39 of the book of Genesis. The Bible said in verse number 1 of Genesis 39, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar and an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. The Bible said, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now notice uh, uh, verse number 21. The Bible said, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Verse number 23, the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And to that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. You can be seated. Uh, I began to read these texts and these verses uh, uh, regarding the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and may I draw your attention to verse number 16 in chapter number 1 of the book of Matthew. Uh, uh, listen, may I say to you that it's made clear that Jesus Christ's birth uh, uh, was different than any other Jewish boy that was named in the genealogy in Matthew chapter number 1. Uh, look what it said in verse 16. It said, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, who was born of Jesus, uh, who is called the Christ. Look at verse number 18. Uh, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, that when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, uh, uh, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, may I say to you, Matthew pointed out in verse number 16, uh, uh, that Joseph did not beget Jesus Christ, uh, uh, but rather he was the husband of Mary whom was born, Jesus was born, and he is called the Christ. May I say you, Jesus was born of an earthly mother without need of an earthly father. Amen. You say, what is that? That is the doctrine of the virgin birth. May I say to you, 
every child that's born into this world uh, is a new creature except for one. Uh, oh, with Jesus Christ born, he is the eternal God. Uh, and may I say Jesus Christ existed before Mary existed. Uh, and he existed before Joseph existed. Uh, and neighbor, he was as old as God the Father who was his dad. May I say amen right there. Uh, may I say if Jesus Christ was conceived uh, and born just like any other bird baby, he would not have been God. It was not necessary for him to enter this world or it was necessary for him to enter this world through the veil of that womb of a virgin lady but thank God he did not need the aid of a father. May I say to you he is the only man ever born to this world that came out of a virgin womb. Amen. He spent a little time here and then he went to a virgin tomb and thank God we left out of here. I don't know about you but I bless the Lord that he didn't have a mark of sin in his body. May I say to you, the virgin birth is not some optional article of faith that we believe in, but it is essential to the gospel that you and I preach and we and I believe. May I say to you, if he had had a human father, he wouldn't have been God. If he was not God, the Bible would have been false. If the Bible was false, Jesus himself would have been deluded and fooled and we wouldn't have an adequate Savior for sin. And if Jesus was not God manifest in the flesh uh, or the life that he shed at Calvary uh, or would just been any other life it would have been one life for a life uh, but may I say when God died at Calvary uh, it wasn't just one life for one other life uh, but when the son of God died at Calvary uh, it was one life given for all mankind uh, from every age before to every age now uh, to every age to come thank God I bless his name the Bible said they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. But there's some that don't believe he was a perfect man. Or some don't believe he was the God man. But the Bible said his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I believe once and for all that settles the debate of who he was. He was God in the flesh. He was no longer the deity that was far away in the sky. He was no longer the awesome God. God, uh, that sat down on Mount Sinai. Uh, but thank God, the God of heaven uh, took upon the form of a servant uh, and wrapped all the glory of heaven uh, and all the glory of God in, in flesh uh, and became a child uh, and came to this world to save you and I from our sin. Bless his name. Amen. I don't know. I'll be honest with you, Brother David. I don't believe Joseph ever grasped all that was going on in that day. But you better believe, Brother Howard, when Matthew put his pen those years later to the paper and wrote these words that he wrote in Matthew chapter number one. I believe Matthew began to realize the great privilege that had been afforded him as he walked. And even he listened as he realized that he really got to walk hand in hand and step by step, not with just a good man, but none other than God in the flesh. I believe he began, even when he quoted the parting promise in Matthew, he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. May I say to you, I believe Matthew had got a little bit of glimpse of that thank God when he came, he was God with us. And he is God with us. And he forever will be God with us. Thank God his name is Emmanuel. Amen. Amen. 
But David, I believe the greatest miracle recorded in the Bible is the incarnation of God in human flesh. I mean, thank God for Calvary. Thank God for healing of lepers. Thank God that he touched blind men's eyes. Thank God that he could cast out the demons. Thank God for the, the miracles that went on in Calvary. How that the sun was darkened for three hours. How that the rocks rent. And all the miracles that went along. What about the miracle of the Old Testament? God stopped the sun in its tracks to deliver the people of God. And it was miracle after miracle. But Brother Scotty, one of the greatest miracles I think that's recorded on the pages of that Bible was the day honey, that God left the path. As your walls of glory. Uh, listen to me. Listen, I might could have understood uh, if he took the flesh of all a man, the stature of Goliath, uh, uh, some giant of a man. Uh, uh, but Brother Randall, he didn't wrap all that glory uh, and all that power and all that knowledge uh, in, the, in the flesh of a giant man. Uh, but he wrapped it in the flesh of a tiny infant child. Uh, I'm telling you, thank God for the incarnation. You say, what does that mean? Uh, I tell you what Christmas means to me. It's not a Christmas tree. It's not lights. May I say to you the greatest gift that was ever given to mankind was not wrapped with a bow and wrapping paper but thank God Almighty it was wrapped in flesh. It had ten fingers and ten toes. It had teeth and a tongue. The greatest gift this world ever saw was when God wrapped a gift and gave it to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave himself had incarnation praise God and what about it girls what is the greatest thing about the incarnation he wrapped himself in flesh not for a millionaire not for just the royalty of the world but he gave him for us hallelujah them three kings, but it came from afar. But he didn't just come for the kings. Hallelujah. I'm glad he came for every man, woman, boy, or girl. Praise God. I'm glad I don't not got a car. I'm glad I get, get indoctrinated uh, over that fact that he only came for this few or that few. Uh, oh, but I'm glad, thank God, Brother Danny, when he looked down across time, uh, he said every man, woman, boy, or girl needs a Savior. Uh, I think the greatest announcement ever made to mankind uh, was when the angels were on that Judean hillside. Uh, they said, for unto you is born this day uh, in the city of David a Savior, uh, a Savior, uh, a Savior. My, hey, I'm glad, thank God, he didn't send an architect. I didn't need a building. I didn't see a doctor. I didn't have cancer. But thank God Almighty, he sent a Savior. I was lost and on my way to hell. And thank God the angel said, there is a Savior, amen. Savior. Glory to God. He came. If he's God, everything else makes sense. If I didn't believe, if I didn't believe he is God, when I read in the book of Matthew that he came walking to them disciples on the water, I'd be confused. But when I get a hold of the fact that his name shall be called 
Emmanuel, which is me, interpreted is God with us. It doesn't bother me when I read that because, Brother Danny, it doesn't surprise me that he's able to walk on the water that he created. Amen. No wonder he can do that. He's the one that put it in place. He's the one that's got the power to calm the storm. Honey, would you believe that Jesus, God, everything else makes sense in the Bible? If I was wondering, I got confused. And I just read over there where he took five loaves and two fish, fed 5,000 men, no telling how many women and children, I might be confused. But when I realized he's the one that made the stomachs that were hungry, he's the one that put the fish in the sea, he's the one that made the bread that he was breaking. Hallelujah. When I understand that he's God, everything else makes sense. And may I say to you, when we look at our life, when things come into our life, uh, Brother David, we might get confused and get to, uh, to wonder what's really going on. Uh, but Brother Ben, if we ever get her nailed down, uh, that Jesus Christ is God, uh, and that by him all things consist, uh, and praise God, that'll help us understand. Uh, it'll help us believe. It'll help us walk on. Uh, it'll help us trust because everything else will make sense. Amen. This doctrine of the incarnation. Him being, let me just say, you say, how much do you believe that? He's as much God as if he was never a man. And he was as much man as if he was never God. And he married God and that flesh together. And let me tell you something. If you believe Jesus could sin, you might not be saved. If you believe that Jesus Christ could sin, you don't believe he was God. Because, Brother John, if God could sin, the sun would fall out of the sky. If God could sin, the stars would fall out of the sky. If God could sin, nature would cease to consist. Oh, but thank God because he is who he said he was. Oh, because his word is what he said he was. I'm glad, thank God, everything's in its place. Doctrine of incarnation, it's a, that's where the Muslims depart. That's where the church of Christ departs. Amen. Hey, I, that's where the Jehovah's false witnesses depart. Amen. Hello. Hey, that's where every cult that's out there, they depart. They think he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was the best. Of the, hey, listen, he was more than a good man. He is God, praise God. Amen. Hey, friend, that's where it all hinges. Jesus was God. Amen. It's not just something we believe. It's something we believe because it's the truth as revealed to us through the Word of God. Amen, friend. That doctrine, that incarnation. John 1 said, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And hallelujah for that. But in verse 14, Brother Howard, hallelujah. Amen. At 14, well, Brother Howard's helping me with these numbers. Glory to God. 14, help me, Brother Howard, divine deliverance. Amen. You say, where did you get delivered? Miss Hazel, thank God, in the beginning was the Word. 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But if I'd have lived in John 1, 1, I'd have went to hell. Are you all right? If all it was was John 1, 1, I would have died in my sin and I went to hell. But thank God, 14, John 1, 14, it said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, even the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. May I tell you when things picked up, it's when God wrapped Himself in flesh and came and dwelt among men and gave Himself for you and I. He said in the beginning was the word. What is? What is a word? What is a word? A word is an expression of an invisible thought. Brother David, you can't hear my thoughts, but you can hear my words. And when you hear my words, you know my thoughts. You can't see my thoughts. My thoughts are invisible. But my words make my invisible thoughts known. In the beginning was the word. And if a word is the expression of an invisible thought. Did he not say, no man has seen the Father, but he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. You say, why did he come? He came that the invisible God might be known to mankind. May I say to you, Brother Micah, you sent me that. I read it last week while we were gone, but you sent that little note out last night. May I say to you, Jesus, what God is, Jesus is. What God has, Jesus has. Amen. May I say to you, praise God, Jesus is God. He's fully God. He's not part God and part man. He's not all God and no man. He's not all man and no God. He is the God-man, and Jesus makes the invisible God known to all mankind. Known to all mankind. Emmanuel. I want to preach for a few weeks, if I Lord will help me. My favorite song for a couple years has been Jesus. What a wonderful name. And in Matthew 1 and in Luke 2 and in Matthew 2, it calls him several things. Matthew 1, 18, it said Jesus Christ. He said, thou shalt call his name Jesus. They call him the holy child. He's called the Savior. So I'm going to preach for a few weeks if the Lord will help me on Jesus. What a wonderful name. But this morning I want to preach on that one, Emmanuel which is, interpreted as, God with us. I want you to stop and think for a moment who's with us. The one who spoke it all into existence. Amen. The one that scooped out those mountains, Brother Mike, that we saw in the distance last week in that beautiful land. Seemed like we could see for miles and miles and miles. Uh, who made 
made that the one that's with you and I? Who is it? The one that touched the leper or the one that touched blinded eyes, the one that healed the sick, made the lame to walk again, or made the dumb to speak? That's who's with us. Not some weak need little man, but thank God, the God of heaven in all power, in all knowing, in all glory, he is the one that's with us. He's with us. He's with us. I want you to notice. You say, how much God is he? Well, look back in Matthew 1. The Bible said in verse number, I'm going to beat my Bible to the wrong chapter. There we go. Look at verse 20. How big, how big a God was he? I missed this until this week. But while he thought on these things, behold, who? Who? Which, which angel? The angel. I've taught you in the past, anytime that word the, that definite article the is in front of that angel of the Lord, it's talking about one specific person. The one that appeared to Hagar when she had been cast out. The one that wrestled with Jacob and touched him in the thigh. The one that Joshua had bumped into in Joshua 5 next to the gate of Jericho was the one that was appearing to Joseph. Now, here's the miracle. Here's the miracle. The one that was in Mary's womb was so much God. Amen. The one that was in Mary's womb was so much God that he tapped Joseph on the shoulder in a dream and said, listen to me, son. But what's in Mary is conceived of the Holy Ghost and his name is going to be called Jesus. Oh, you say, how big a God do we serve? I tell you what, he's so much God while he was in the womb. He was appearing to Joseph to tell him he was in his wife's womb. That's a mighty big God. I'll take him over our president any day. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. He's the one. We, hey, I tell you what, I don't mind serving one that can be in a lady's womb and then telling her husband that he is in her mother's, in his wife's womb. That's the, that's the man. He said years ago there was a Russian, there was a Russian emperor. He said at times he would clothe himself he would clothe himself like a poor vagabond, a poor tramp. He would go door to door through Russia, knock on the door, and see if anybody would let him in. He said he had been refused all night, refused all night, refused all night. He said one night, finally a little peasant's cottage, the man opened the door and invited him in. All he had to lay down was a bed of straw. All he had was a meager portion of some crust of bread that the man shared with him. And said when the man woke up the next morning, the king was gone. But said it wasn't long till the king came riding up. He didn't come in his beggar's garments. He didn't come knocking on doors asking to come in. But they said the man heard the commotion and went out to the door. 
And there with all his pomp and circumstance, the king had rolled back up to the door to the little beggar uh, that had let him in. And listen, that man thought he was in trouble. He thought he was in doom uh, until all of a sudden that man let him in on who he was and had spent the night before. uh, And may I say to you, listen, uh, he came to this world wrapped in flesh uh, and was born in a manger, rejected of this world. Uh, But one day, praise God, he's coming again. Uh, And you say, who's he coming? in. He said, come, ye blessed my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. He said, for when I was a stranger, he said, you took me in. And may I say to you, praise God, when he comes again, he's not coming to a manger. He's not coming to a stable. He's not coming as a savior. He's coming as a sovereign. That's exactly what he's done. Exactly what he's doing, Miss Joy. He's going door to door, knocking. Will you let me in? He may not be much to appeal to the eye. He may not think this world up, think he's got a whole lot to offer. But can I tell you, praise God, when he comes riding back in here, they'll know he really was who he said he was. I found, I believe, an Old Testament illustration, Brother Sean, to the truth. It's in Matthew 1 in Genesis 39. Turn your Bible back. I want you to notice four verses, then we'll deal with the context of the verses. <coughs> Genesis 39. Look at verse 2 and verse 3. And the Lord was what? With Joseph. Look at verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was what? With him. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Look at verse 23. Because the Lord was with him. Can I tell you, praise God. He didn't come just to be with us. For those 33 and a half years that he walked with those 12 disciples. Heal the lame. Can I tell you, praise God. Listen, it goes from the patriarchs to Joseph. It goes all the way down to Joseph to David, David to Jesus. Jesus till when he poured out the Holy Ghost on the church and then one day praise God revelation said that he'll be with he's going to dwell with them there's one constant uh, there's a thread that runs right along that red scarlet thread of redemption all the way through the word of God uh, and I tell you what it is it is the presence of God with his children I'm glad the same one that was with Abraham was with Jacob or uh, the same one that was Isaac was with Jacob or uh, the same one that was with Jacob was with David, or the same God that was David, or praise God, was the same God that showed up wrapped in flesh and laid in a manger, and the same God that Jesus Christ gave to the church in the person of the Holy Ghost is the same one that we're going to dwell with when we get to heaven. Or you ain't say, what are you trying to say? I'm saying, thank God his name is Emmanuel, and he's with us. You say, when's he with us? I think that's the help in Genesis 39. Let's look at our Bible. What things have changed from Joseph? A few weeks ago, a few months ago, he was his father's favorite son. And now he's shackled in chains, been crawled across a desert, been sold as a slave in the Egyptian slave market. 
He's a long way from home. He doesn't hear the cries of his daddy. He's not in the promised land anymore. He's in, a, he's in Egypt, that God-forsaken world. But what did the Bible say? Even far from Egypt, look at what he said. He said, bought him, verse 1, bought him by the hands of the Israelites, which have brought him down thither. Notice what he said. And the Lord was with Joseph. I tell you something, although all of Joseph's family supports had fought, failed him, he was by himself in a strange land. But thank God there was somebody with him. Amen. I like that Red Book song. I have somebody with me to share the heavy load. And may I say, Joseph may have looked around. He may not have seen the Lord. He may have, listened. He may have felt around. He may not have felt the Lord. But can I tell you, thank God when I can't see him. And thank God when I can't feel him. But thank God he's with me when the sun's shining. Thank God he's with me when the storms roll up. But thank God he's with me when I'm healthy. Oh, thank God he's with me when I'm sick. Oh, thank God he's with me while I'm preaching. Oh, thank God he's with me while I'm being a daddy. Oh, thank God he's with me while I'm being a son. Oh, can I get a witness? Thank God when we can't see him and when we can't feel him, his name is still Emmanuel. His name is still Emmanuel. You say, when was he with him? He was with him in his hour of trial. He said he brought him down thither. He's in Egypt. His master is the Egyptian king, uh, captain of the guard. He's a long way from home, but God's with him. What about this? Look at verse 5. Came to pass every time he made him overseer in his house, and over, all the, and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. What is that? That's a fulfillment to the promise of Abraham in Genesis 12. He said, then thee all the families of the earth will be blessed. And what's happened is that promise just rolled right on down to Jacob uh, or right on down to Joseph. And because Joseph is in the house of that Gentile, the house of that Gentile is being blessed. Uh, but according to Galatians 3, it gets deeper than that. What is that a picture of? I tell you what, Joe, that one family was best because there was a uh, there was a Joseph in his house. I mean, I tell you, according to Galatians 3, uh, uh, Jesus Christ didn't come to be a blessing to one family, uh, uh, but he came to be a blessing to the entire world. Uh, and I say every good gift coming from above and because God's been to this world and because God is who he said he was but thank God all the families of the world have been blessed you say how are they blessed some are starving they may be starving but they're not in hell yet and may I say blessed be God we've been blessed because he's the Lord how did he bless him how did he help him in his hour of trial well let's look at your Bible Verse 1 through 6, he helped him in that hour of trial that comes with his service. Verse 1 through 6, he's been sold into slavery. Ishmaelites took him down, brought him down for his brother, from his brothers. The Bible said that Joseph was a handsome man. For some reason, Potiphar saw something in Joseph that was unique, and he said, I'll buy that man. They took him home, and look what the Bible said. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master. He prospered. Are y'all listening to me? He was a slave, and he was prospering. 
How many times I hear people complain, well, I'm down there working in that God-forsaken workplace. You ever thought about God puts you there for a reason? Can I tell you something? You don't put a lighthouse in the middle of Atlanta. You put a lighthouse out on the rocky shores of an ocean to keep a boat from keep a boat from running aground up on the shore. Are you listening? I mean, man, can I tell you something, folks? You say, I want to witness. You, all, you know when you ought to witness? Tomorrow morning, starting at 730, 8 o'clock, wherever you go to work, praise God. He sent you to be a lighthouse, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hid. Hey, what did he do? He went down there and worked and he labored. And listen to me, the Bible said that Potiphar even saw that the Lord was with him. And you better believe Potiphar realized uh, that the blessing of God had come to his house when Joseph came. Uh, oh, there was something different. I believe old Potiphar said, man, uh, old Joseph, they something different my house since Joseph got here for the blessings of God have came and man he's a worshiper of Jehovah God he was saying man I wish all my servants would save people I wonder if your boss would say that about you he wasn't serving Potiphar he's serving Jesus can I say to you brother Randall you're not serving the almighty Kubota when you go down there tomorrow and get all them parts lined up Amen. Amen. Brother Jody, when you contract with them companies, you ain't serving them. Amen. 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 When you go, you're not serving the principal nor the board of education. You're not serving the almighty Wells Fargo Bank. You're not serving the superintendent. Amen, Brother Sean. You're not serving Marjack. You're not serving them trucking companies. Hey, you're not even serving your daddy. Brother Mike, you're not serving all them, all those companies that you contract to do business with. Brother Don, you're not serving Pepsi Cola. Brother Greg, you're not serving Wrigley or the Mars Corporation. Amen. Brother, listen, Brother Scott, you're not serving Sony Electric. Amen. Brother Ron, you're not serving, oh, listen, the, oh, the farmers that you, you're not serving the man that runs the body shop. You say, who are you serving? Oh, Colossians 3 talks about how we ought to be faithful to the people who are in authority over us. I, I tell you, who are you serving? When you go to work tomorrow, oh, you're serving none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did God do? God changed Potiphar's house oh, because Joseph was faithful and the Lord was with him. I say to you, if we went out of here and live what we ought to live. I mean, I tell you, the people in the world would believe what I preach because they'd see it show up in your heart or they'd see it show up in your life. What happened? God was with Joseph in the time of his trial. Amen. That don't mean you got to go down there and be a preacher. I don't mean you got to go down there and fuss everybody out because they don't live right. Listen to me. They're sinners. I mean, dear God, I know saved people don't even live like they say, much less lost people. I mean, for God's sake, give them a break. They're sinners. Love them. When their girlfriend, I mean, I'm talking about when their girlfriend is sick. It ain't the time to say, well, bless God, y'all wasn't shacked up. You know, you'd probably be all right. No, what you say is, man, you know what? I walked through that about a year ago with my wife. Let me tell you how the Lord helped me. And let me tell you, let me, let me tell you, I'm, my wife and I are going to be praying for you and your girlfriend. And then, then he quits cussing around you. And then when he's cussing everybody else and you walk out, he gets down off the fort lift and walks over there and he helps you figure out what you're trying to do. Why? 
because you wasn't a condescending Pharisee to him. You showed him a little love when he needed a little bit of love. You say, what do God just flip the light switch of the lighthouse on and let you shine a little bit? Hey, listen to me. Praise God. I'm glad that in a demon-possessed, God-forsaken world, I'm glad that we can still prosper in this hour. Amen. Because God's with us in the face of his trial, the trial that comes with his service. Look at the latter part of the chapter. Not only the trial that comes with his service, but there's a trial that comes with his suffering. You say, why did, he make, why did God make Joseph be a servant to Potiphar? Let me tell you something. God wanted Joseph to be a ruler. But before God will make any man a ruler, he first makes him a servant. And if you're not willing to be a servant, you're not willing to be a ruler. Because God always makes rulers servants before he makes them rulers. Hello? Amen? Amen. Trial that comes with his service. What about verse 19 through verse 19 and 20? The Bible said, came to pass when his master heard the word of his wife, which he spake and say, after this matter thy servant did to me, the wrath thy, he said that his wrath was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. This wasn't just any prison. This was the king's prison. This is where the king put people when he didn't like it, what happened. And I tell you something, he just wasn't with them in the trial of his service. He was with them during the trial of his suffering. You say, how do you know? Look at verse 21, next verse. He's in prison. Brother not for doing wrong. He was in prison for doing right. He hadn't done a thing wrong. He didn't put his hand on Potiphar's wife. Let me tell you something. Praise God. He knew it was better to lose his coat than it was to lose his character. He was convinced that it was better to lose his position than it was to lose his purity. And he ran out. She made a lie upon him and put him in jail. Now, this modern-day Christianity will tell you if you always do right, everything right will happen. They didn't get that out of their Bible. Joseph ain't never done wrong. You realize that Joseph is the only one in the Word of God outside of Christ that never talks about his sin? He's the greatest type of Christ. Never one time mentions a sin in his life. We know he had him because he was a man, but never did speak of it. Now he's in jail, shackled for doing right. And that day may come for us. That day may come for us when they tell us we can't preach out of Romans 1. And we can't proclaim sin for what it is. That day may come when we take a stand to do right and they come and put us in shackles. You say it ain't going to happen, preacher. You better take your head out of the sand. Are you listening? Amen. But he was suffering. But what happened? The Lord was with him. How do you think Joseph felt? How do you think Joseph felt about that? Man, she had messed up her hair, tore her clothes. Her husband come in and said, man, he tried to assault me. He tried to do things with me that I can't tell you about. And now he's in jail. But it even gets a little better. Look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and what? Showed him mercy. And he even got in prison. And he did some good in the prison. He just made him in charge of the prison, cut him loose, said, hey, run the prison for me. Amen. Why? 
How did he take care of that trial of service? How did he take care of that trial of suffering? One phrase, the Lord was with him. How are we going to make it in this day? The Lord is with us. How are we going to make it when sickness comes? How are we going to make it when persecution comes? How are we going to make it when storms come? I tell you how the Lord is with me. Hour of, in the hour of trial. But then he was with him in the hour of temptation. Look at your Bible. Verse 6 through 9. Right in the middle of the story about Joseph, chapter 38 is a story about the shame of Judah. Chapter 38 shows you how a man fell in the trap of sexual immorality. And then God checks back in the story of Joseph and shows us one that made it through and didn't fall. Can I tell you something? Young people today, they demand their freedom. They demand their freedom with no boundaries or restrictions. But hear me and hear me well, young people. The price of freedom is responsibility. The price of freedom is responsibility. You want to be free to make the decisions, you're going to have to be responsible to back it up when the consequences come. Bad choices bring judgment and bring chastening from the hand of God. But righteous decisions bring the blessing of God in on our life. What happened? Thank God when temptation comes. He doesn't leave us alone. Thank God when the, when the temptation new wicked comes. We're not left alone by ourselves without God's help. Joseph was handsome. Verse 6 it said, Here's a woman tries to entice him to commit a fornication and adultery. And you better hear me. This ain't some embellished story. This is fact. It happened. It ain't something been made up just to make us think. Let me tell you something. You better believe the devil slipped up on Joseph's ear and said, Hey, Joseph, go ahead. You've been treated, hold up. You've been treated wrong. You shouldn't even be down here. If God really loved you, you'd still have your coat of many colors on and you'd be in your father's house being peppered, pampered and petted like you were before your brothers got mad at you. Hello? He said, hey, Joe. He said, don't worry. There ain't nobody going to see. You worked hard to get where you're at. Don't be a fool. Look at here. Just go ahead. Notice what she said in verse 7. And it came to pass that after these things, his master's wife cast his eyes upon her, and she said, lie with me. Hear me, young person. Hear me, adult. Temptation is always an attempt to corrupt you. It's always to do evil in one way or another. Temptation is never a temptation to do good. It's always a temptation to do evil. Can I tell you something? One way you can spot temptation is to know that it's a solicitation. It's an invitation to do wrong. Temptation, it'll come when you're most vulnerable. Here he is. He's been promoted. He ain't suffering now. He's the man. He's the, he is the captain of the guard's main man. And what happens? Here comes temptation. Temptation ain't just coming when you're weak. Temptation will come to knock you off that high horse. Hello? Amen. Notice when she couldn't get her to lie with her, look what she said. But he refused, and he said unto his master, Why, behold, my master wants not 
what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all. He said, there's none greater in this house than I, neither kept back anything from me, but because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great thing? Look, notice what he said. And it came to pass, that as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her. First she said, lie with me. Then she said, just lie by me. Amen? Or just be with me. He changed his game, didn't he, Brother John? He, she didn't just say, hey, come over here, let's commit adultery. She said, just lay down here, let's talk. In other words, why don't you forget what you should be doing and just come over here and spend some time with me? Can I tell you something? Just came back day by day by day. And sometimes we get weak when it's day by day by day by day. We were strong yesterday, but we've had a fight with our wife today, so we might be weak. We, we, was, we was doing good when that lady was dressed, less dressed from, it was cold in the wintertime, and she came to work with, a, a, listen, a long pair of baggy breeches and a, and a cardigan sweater big enough for her and her children to wear. Hello? But what about summertime when they come to work and the sleeves get short and the sleeves get big? And the collars get low and the skirts get high. Everybody okay? It was easy to say no in the wintertime when your flesh wouldn't be fed. But it comes back day by day by day by day. And that pressure to do wrong gets on you. How did he make it? Because the Lord was with Joseph. You know how many times it says it? Four times. Four is the number of the world, north, east, south, and west. He's just always with us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm glad it's not just in the trial. Glad it's not just in the temptation. But he's with us in the hour of temptation. And I'm done. Come on, Miss Julianne. Turn your Bible to Genesis 40. I want you to look at a verse. Look at verse 23. Joseph's been put in jail. Butler said he was going to remember him. Baker said he was going to remember him. Look at verse 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. That verse sums up all of Genesis 40. Joseph thought he'd been forgotten. Joseph told that, told that, that butler to take a message, but he forgot. And Joseph thought that everybody had forgot him, but God had remembered him. Look, chapter 41, verse 46. You say, how do you know God remembered him? Look at verse 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. When Joseph starts out in his story, he's about a 17-year-old boy. And now he's a 30-year-old man. And now he's standing before Pharaoh. The devil said, hey, you've been forgotten can I tell you something? Hear me and hear me well. It's always too soon to quit. If you're thinking about quitting, it's too soon. Psalm 37 said, commit thy way unto the Lord. He shall bring it to pass. What did Joseph do? First Peter said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord, and in due time he'll exalt thee. What did Joseph do? He humbled himself, and in due time. He's not only with us in our hour of trial, 
He's not only with us in our hour of temptation, but he's with us in our hour of triumph. God's got his own schedule. The Lord came to help Joseph in his own time, and he'll help us in his own time. Look at verse 46 of chapter 41 through 48. It said, Joseph, 30 years old, when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, Joseph went out of the presence of Pharaoh, went throughout all the land. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. He gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, laid up the food of the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid up in the same. What did he do that for? Because that dream God gave Joseph as a 17-year-old boy, 13 years later, finally came to pass. Can I just say something to you? If God's let you dream some things in the Holy Ghost that he's told you they're going to come to pass, don't quit. It's just too soon to quit. I'm glad he didn't quit in the caravan from his house to Egypt. I'm glad he didn't quit in Potiphar's house. I'm glad he didn't quit in the prison, Brother Sean, but he held on. You say, why? Because somewhere along the way, Joseph figured out that God was with him. Genesis 41, verse 38, Pharaoh said, can we find such a one as this in whom the Spirit of God is? Listen to me. You may be in deep discouragement now, but hold on. Don't quit. Joseph used to have slaves' hands, but now he's wearing Pharaoh's ring. Joseph used to be wearing a prison get-up, but now he's wearing Pharaoh's garments. Joseph used to be shackled by chains, but now he's got a gold chain hung around his neck. You say, preacher, is God really Emmanuel? Is he really with me? You better believe he is. In the time of your trial, in the hour of your temptation, but in the hour of your trial. Can you imagine Potiphar coming home? Oh, Potiphar come home and said, hey, Miss Potiphar. Said, do you remember that boy, that Hebrew boy I brought home? You know that boy I paid 25 shekels of silver for? How much? I don't know. He said, I don't even remember what I paid for. But you remember, I, I came home and he did good for a while, but then he attacked you and he assaulted you. And I thought him in prison. Well, Potiphar said, Miss Potiphar, I sure hope you was telling the truth because tomorrow I got a report to him. He's my new boss. I wonder what went through her head when Potiphar said, you know, hey, honey, he's the one signing the paycheck now. How did he get there? One statement. The Lord was with Joseph. I give this illustration. I'm done preaching. I preached a long time, but I'm not sorry for it. I had to catch up from last week. Amen. Miss Beverly said last night, Brother Guy was preaching to the nurses, whatever he was going to preach this morning. Amen. He, he had a little preach on him at the hospital. There was a man by the name of Alexander Sultzen. He was a British literary genius. And the Russians didn't like him because he was a Christian. He loved God and he had his faith and free, ideas about faith and freedom. They cast him into a labor camp. And this man began to tell one of the United States senators how bad it was. He said, you... 
He said, you have no idea what repression and oppression really is. He said, they cut us off from the world. He said, they wouldn't let a letter come in, wouldn't let her go out. He said, we had no newspapers. He had we no books, no writing material, no telephone, no radio, no television. He said, we were totally cut off from the outside world. He said, they wouldn't even let us talk to each other. So they wouldn't let us do that. He said, they put us into a labor camp. And we had to work hard manual labor. And he said, I got depressed while I was in that labor camp. And he said, I, I thought, man, I'd rather just die than be in this camp. And he said, I began to think of ways that I could take my own life. He said, but my faith wouldn't let me take my own life. He said, but one day, he said, we were out on work detail. And I looked over there and said, one of those Russian guards had a gun. He said, he said, if I run, that guy will shoot me, and I'll be free of this prison. And he said, now listen. He said, all of a sudden, he said, I had got up on my knees and my hands and on my balls of my feet. And he said, I was about to make a break for it. He said, when all of a sudden, another prisoner walked up before me while I was sitting on that tree during that break. And he said, what you got to understand was they wouldn't let us talk. And he said, I guess this man was a prisoner. He said, but I'd never seen him before, and I'd never seen him since. He said, there I was about to make a break so that that guard would shoot me and I'd die. And he said, it was an odd thing. He said, this prisoner walked up before me, and all he had was a stick in his hand. And he said, he said that man looked at me in my eyes, and he said, it was like, he says, like when he looked at me, he was knowing everything I was thinking, everything I was feeling. And he said, it was almost like he knew what I was about to do. And he said, all that prisoner did was took that stick because he couldn't say anything. Took his stick and drew a cross in the dirt. And said, I just slumped back down to where I sit and I didn't run. He said, what I didn't know, he said, I didn't know people all over the world had been writing letters and praying that they'd let me out of that prison camp. And he said, in less than a week, I was a free man. They come and set me free. What happened? You believe what you want to. But the Bible said that we entertain angels unaware. And it might just have been that he just walked up to him and said, hey, The Lord is with you. Can I tell you something? Why I like Christmas? Because that's when Emmanuel came. And when he came, he never left. You say Jesus left, oh yeah. That's where we get into the Holy Ghost. He's a paracletos, one that's been brought along. He's one just like him that's been brought alongside to help. And I tell you something, no matter where you're at, our trial, our temptation, an hour of triumph, his name is Emmanuel. God is with us. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I wonder if some people might say, Preacher, I'm in an hour of trial, I'm in an hour of temptation. Maybe preacher, things are just good. But I just needed to hear this morning and be reminded that God's been with me. God is with me. 
God's going to be with me. Can I see your hand all over the house? You say, preacher, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. And may I say to you tonight, this morning, if you've never been saved, he came to this world so he can be with you. He came to this world to save you. If you're lost today, you could get saved. You could get born again. Child of God, you might just want to come tell him thank you for being with you. I'm glad his name shall be called. Emmanuel, which is interpreted, which interpreted is God with us. We're standing, Miss Julianne, singing. Don't you mind the Lord? Thank you for joining us for today's pulpit hour, brought to you by the Preaching Channel. To listen to this message once again in its entirety for a free download of this message or a variety of any other messages or to listen to preaching 24 hours a day, you can visit the preaching channel at wgcrpreaching.net. If you don't have download capabilities, feel free to call and order a CD copy of today's message at 828-884-9427.